around with uh, the right tires on it and uh yeah away. <laughs> and you know what uh I'm, i want to introduce bob varsha uh man of formula form and fame from television and radio and bob you and i were talking earlier about kevin magnuson's accomplishment and that was a lot more than just luck wasn't it oh absolutely i've seen uh a lot of carping on social media about, oh, he just got lucky with George Russell beaching his Mercedes, uh, bringing out the red flag, and then the rain came, and Magnuson ruined. That was a poll earned on merit. Magnuson went out. The team saw the best conditions, got him out first, got his lap in, and then, yeah, I mean, stuff happens. As Dave just said, weird stuff at Brazil, but there was nothing artificial. There was a little luck, but you got to have luck. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear that Magnuson and the Haas team somehow didn't deserve that pole. That was perfect Formula One team observation, strategy, and execution. So congratulations to all of them. That was well done. Uh, well said, Bob. A real bit of F1 strategy and execution. And I think you're absolutely right. You know, I was looking at the sector times between Kevin Magnuson and uh, Max Verstappen. And mm -hmm. so Verstappen messed up the sector two. He, uh, he went wide just a little bit, and so he lost a few tenths there. But the other sector one and three, uh, Magnuson was right on or actually a tick faster in one of those. So that was a real lap from Kevin Magnuson. And I just we had to start the show talking about this because it was – I mean, we were all jumping up and down. And I know I, I, I do. I, I save emails to Gunther Steiner for the most rarest of occasions, and I couldn't even help it. I just jumped and emailed him and, and copied Stuart, <laughs> the FPR guy. And I was just like, thanks. So uh, you guys just thanks for making our day. Congratulations. And he emailed right back with exclamation points. They, the team was oh, yeah. clearly excited, as we saw on television coverage, too. And you know what makes it even better? This weekend is Gene Haas's birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, boss. <laughs> yeah, 70th birthday. And Not Jonathan right. Green, it was Kevin Magnuson's. It's his 100th Grand Prix, too. It is. It's the perfect storm, I, yeah, isn't it? I agree with Bob wholeheartedly. Um, there are occasions in Formula One where you get Lady Luck does shine. But this wasn't one of those occasions. This was, okay, yeah. it's about to rain. we got to get out there. And we got to be faster than anybody else. And we got to put the lap in there and then. No mistakes. Uh, they actually did a side-by-side -side comparison with Verstappen's lap on, you know, like visually. Yeah, I saw that. And, and, and there was that one mistake that Verstappen went. He went wide at one corner, and, and, and Magnussen was smooth all the way through. He got the advantage of the drier track. And, you know, it is hats off to a team that may be fighting below the sort of below their above their weight at times. Um, but, you know, they're doing the simple things. And that's what it matters in Formula One is, is getting, you know, it's getting the simple things right. And if you said that three years ago about Haas, I wouldn't have agreed. Yeah, no, they weren't. Well, uh, we also are joined. I saw him connect into Zoom. Mr. Chris Medlin, who's in Sao Paulo. Hey, Mr. Medlin. How are you, sir? I'm very good, chaps. How, how are you? Sorry, I was just trying to Ted Kravitz about uh, what we were going to do running around on the grid. You can't talk to Ted. Who first? <laughs> Isn't there an embargo? I'm, you're, you're, I'm we have an embargo on Speed City. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, actually, they, uh, you know, for any fans that, I mean, no one wants to go and watch TV yet, do they? They want to listen to us. But uh, Red Bull <laughs> have lifted that embargo. So, uh, oh, okay. you know, all's, all's fixed now, like happy families again. But um, it is a beautiful, very warm, uh, just absolutely picture perfect day here at Interlagos. Like packed grandstands, amazing color. We've just had fly pasts from uh, the Brazilian military air force, which I'm sure we weren't meant to be doing anymore, but they're still doing them. <laughs> they're dropping the green, yellow, and blue. And it just, oh, it's just, it looks great. Nice. What are uh, they flying? Curtis Jennies or uh, P-51s? <laughs> what's going on in the Brazilian air force? Uh, as anyone who's listening to me when I um, am talking about Formula One cars, I barely know what I'm on about with those. So let alone fighter jets, I'm afraid. So I'm going to have to <laughs> going to have to pass on that one. But they were planes. They were no, definitely planes. Uh, well, Chris, I don't know if you heard. We were just basking in the glow of what Kevin Magnuson did this weekend and talking about how it was a lot more than just luck. That it was real strategy and execution from Formula One, from a from a professional Formula One team, is the way Bob put it. And I, I, how is the feeling around 
the Haas F1 team and everybody about Magnus. It seemed like everybody was happy about it. Yeah, it was. It was a real feel-good story. Um, I mean, the scenes were incredible and, and the kind of celebrations that went with it. And then everyone was outside Haas on Friday night. Yeah, it, it's just, don't forget that you know, even other teams like Alpha Tauri are like, oh, you know, we're going to fight with these guys. But it's great for Formula One to see. And it's that little boost you need sometimes, isn't it? That little bit of inspiration team that, that's not at the front so uh yeah it was uh it was a great moment and and not only that you know I'm, I'm glad you guys did bring it up and start the show with it because it would be so easy by the end of today to forget about it because yeah. of what's gone since uh you know what but you're, you're all spot on and good the Steiner said it himself they they were exactly right with the way they executed they didn't get lucky mm -hmm. well chris right, put it all together oh, as a team course. and the driver yeah, you're, Chris, you dropped out a little bit at the end there, but but and like you said, we could easily forget about it. But let's not forget that they converted that to a point and to a single point, which was it was going to be hard to do much better than that. Maybe that was the expectation. Yeah, that was the expectation well, to get a point. So I, I think that that entire process went as good as it could have gone. And I agree. Yeah, that even Kevin said it, it himself afterwards. Yeah. Sorry, I've, I've, I've fixed that problem. I connected to Wi-Fi, so go on, Bob. Okay, great. Well, two things. Gunther Steiner was asked after the poll, what can you expect from the sprint race? He said, well, are we going to win the sprint race? No, not likely. But if we can finish in the top eight, that'll be good. Pick up at least one point. And that's exactly what Magnussen went out and did. He didn't fight anybody very hard. Uh, on overtakes by faster cars, kept his head about him, stayed close, got that point. And look at what Mick Schumacher was able to do from the back of the grid. He ran all the way up to 12th. This well, team is getting better, and they really know their car. Well, and that hey, begs the question, uh, can they make a really good strategy move okay. for this yeah, weekend? Gonna... I Sorry, for this race, um, because they're now probably one of the best positions they've ever been in, starting 8th and 12th. Um, this is a huge opportunity for both drivers to score points or create a strategy where, where one is the hare and one is the tortoise stroke, uh, you know, hard car, hard tires versus soft tires to see if one of them can get in the points. Oh, like <laughs> Ferrari and qualifying, sending the clerk out on inters. Yeah. On dry track. Not like them. No. <laughs> Not like oh, I'm, <laughs> for once, I'm going to defend Ferrari on that one. Only slightly. It was still, you know, the thing that sure. we should remember is they have a quick enough car that they don't need to take a gamble like that. It, it, it's not worth the risk. They're not like Haas, who needed to do something spectacular uh, and get to the front of the pit lane, that sort of thing. But it was raining, and it was uh, the radar showed a big, big band of rain coming. You could see it right above the track. You were expecting it to, to pour down, and it generally felt like it's a flip of a coin. Either go out on slicks, and you might get a lap in, or go out on inters, and if the guys on slicks don't get a lap in, you're going to be sitting pretty. So they could have looked like geniuses. And I genuinely, I felt it was actually the way to go. But when he was the only one, then you realized maybe not. Mm. All right. Well, you and know what? We, we have a clip of Kevin Magnuson after that. So let's hear from K-Mag now. Yeah, it was always going to be uh, uh, unrealistic to, to keep those guys behind. And I, and I didn't, I didn't want to try even because... I knew the battle was going to be around P7, P8, which was ended up being right, and uh, I didn't want to lose any time when getting overtaken, and also like look after my tyres, etc. So a little bit of a boring phase of the race. Of course, I enjoyed getting away on the line uh, and lead the first couple of laps, but you know, I knew it was going to happen after that that these cars would get ahead. So um, really happy to get a point. Uh, you know, can't believe what happened yesterday still, and and you know got a point today so so far it's been a pretty good weekend and let's not forget great starting spot for tomorrow as well the pace of the car looks good relative your relative rivals that bodes well yeah. doesn't it I, I think I don't know the, the, there was a couple like Seb was faster than me of course but um, I don't know uh, I'll have to go and look at how his whole stint was because I was obviously getting overtaken a lot this race and that just hurts your tyre um, degradation but Tomorrow, hopefully, we'll be in a in a better position to stay where we are and just manage the tires, and hopefully, we can stay where we are. Uh, yeah. Hey, Chris Medlin, do you uh, do you need to grab an interview there? I'm just seeing who I might be able to interrupt at the moment. Andreas Seidel is uh, out the front of the McLaren garage. We're all in the pit lane at the moment because we've still got another 10, 15 minutes till the pit lane opens. 
and he's just having a discussion uh, with a colleague in German. And I'm just going to try and stick my mic in in a sec if I can catch his eye to talk about how this race is going to go. Because um, you mentioned Kevin just there. Um, I think he might be all right with me for a split second. Um, uh, yeah, he is just very, very briefly. Sorry about that, Andreas. Uh, we are live uh, across the US and Canada. And I wanted to speak to you about, firstly, the driver of car number four, Lando Norris, has not had the best weekend with his health. How's he feeling today? Do you know? Yeah, no, he was struggling a bit, obviously, after the, his stomach issues from uh, Thursday. But it's getting better and better. And I don't expect any issues for today, which is the most important thing. Based on that, though, how impressive has his performance been? Because we were just talking about Kevin Magnussen, who did a great job in qualifying. But Lando was the last car on track in those conditions and still put it on the second row. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we know from previous experience in these conditions, uh, that's where Lando is an absolute superstar. He likes his conditions. He somehow uh, has this uh, this feeling or this read of where the grip is in these conditions. And yeah, very happy, obviously, with the P4 in quali. Very happy with the outcome of yesterday's sprint. Uh, on Lando's side, also on Daniel's side, where we could move forward. And obviously, combined with the problems Alpine had, puts us in a good position to score good points today at the same time. Uh, we have nothing achieved yet for this weekend, so next two hours will be important. Which bit <laughs> of the sprint was better for you? What your drivers did or what the Alpine drivers did? Uh, look, in the end, we just look at ourselves also today. We need to focus on making sure we execute clean weekends. Uh, not down to me to judge what's happening in other teams. Things like that can happen. Still a sport, still two drivers in the car that have their own ambitions as well. There's only so much you can do also in terms of preparing at scenarios. Uh, but just look at ourselves. I'm happy in the last four years we managed to avoid clashes like that. Uh, hopefully it stays like that. Oh, just finally then, what, what's your main target for today? Because it's a lot hotter. We're starting the race earlier than yesterday. Is it going to be a challenge strategically? Ah, yeah, definitely, because it's, it's, it's hotter. So we don't have a lot of experience in these conditions now over the, over the distance. But should have a good race car also today uh, with, with Lando and with Daniel. And the objective is to simply score more points than Alpine to make sure we stay in the, the hunt for this P4 in the Cossack. Well, good luck with that. Cheers. Yeah, there we go. I did interrupt him, sadly. So I'm going to go try and flag down the journalist he was talking to because I felt very rude doing that. But I had to get my elbows out. <laughs> there you go, Chris. Well, a boy. <laughs> we appreciate it. Uh, well, yeah, Chris. Uh, I mean, interesting thoughts. He... Uh, I mean, look, they're starting. Let's see, Lando's starting uh, six, and, and Bob's going to go down the whole grid for us later, and um, and Daniel 11th. So uh, they've started worse than that. So, yeah, they could have a decent day today. And especially combined with the fact that their closest rivals in the championship, in the constructors, yeah. Alpine, are in a state of civil war, apparently, <laughs> and they're both starting well back. So this is a, a huge opportunity for uh, – McLaren, just as it is for Haas. Yeah, what did Alonso say after that contact when he came on team radio? He said, I lost the front wing thanks to our friend. <laughs> our friend. He had more to say later, too. That, that's typical that. Alonso, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. In other words, yeah. the whole team yeah. and me are against one person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Isn't it funny how Fernando tends to end his spells at teams in acrimony? Like, how rare has it been that Fernando Alonso has left the team and everyone's been really happy, and it's been a calm Never. ending. It just it doesn't seem to happen. <laughs> no, he's a disruptive force. He always has been. <clears throat> but why has it worked? Why uh, because, he's mean, because he's, he's so good. good. It's clearly... Yeah. It, it, to be he honest, good, yeah. you, you, it's the old, old story. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, he, he walks the walk and talks the talk, and he has this ability to get the team around him. Okay, so is this like the Taylor Swift motive that you don't want to be the next guy she dates because there'll be a bazillion songs about you or what? I, I don't know wow. what you're talking about. I, you know. I, I went out with Taylor Swift. I've never had a song. Which song is yours? Uh, too old, too slow. Uh, I think that's the I, but Wait, we, what, you Alonso's going to run out of teams. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's a smaller population of teams on the grid. <laughs> uh, what were you going to say, Chris? I was going to say, who went out with Taylor Swift? Nobody. <laughs> John Massing, John Green. Neither one of us. <laughs> oh, that, oh, that Taylor. Oh, you mean the singer Taylor Swift? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, easy mistake to make. Yeah. Who else is there? Did I go to the <laughs> I don't know.
Hey, I was going to make a footnote and Chris and Bob uh, jump in, but, um, you know, I just want to... No one's really brought this point up. I mean, you know, Formula One is a fickle old fool. Um, it's such a hard sport, and to get a pole position just ever is pretty impressive. But when you're in a top team, um, you'd have got more chance. I mean, he was never looking at a pole position a year ago. He wasn't ever looking at coming back in Formula One. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, he never had a pole position in his career and now he has one to his name. I mean, it's huge. It's it's such an amazing sure. story. I just cannot get more excited about it. Oh, yeah. And, and look, guys, think about what this does for a team. Think about, you know, they talk about in every sport, you didn't oh, get true. your first win, right? You, you learn how to win. You learn that attitude. This could be one of those moments for the Haas team that changes the team forever. You know, this could be one of those seminal. I know I'm... Uh, this is a lot of hyperbole, but this is how the teams, this is how this thing happens. Well, guys, look, we got to squeeze in a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be continuing to get ready for the Sao Paulo Grand Prix after this. All right, guys, we are still live on YouTube for our YouTube followers. And I saw that I think TW sent an email. Let me check that again. And he get him, gets himself a hat. And Scott got one. And Timothy. Let's see. Um, yeah, that's Tim. That's TW. Um, so, yes, guys. And Timothy to Thailand, we'll figure it out. That's ah, easy. <laughs> we'll get it there. We'll send we'll it by it. Red Bull. Giving <laughs> we'll him a hat? We're giving, everybody saw your hat, Bob, and everybody wants your hat. So we have a few of those. Well, you know, you know I'm accepting offers. <laughs> <laughs> we, you know what? We are down to a, uh, just a handful. We're going to have to order another to batch. So it may take a little bit of time, but... It's not going to get it for the Let's can't sew that quick, can he? <laughs> so Dave O'Neill had to leave. We'll do a little dirty laundry here. He had to leave because something happened at his house. Uh, Chris's got... connection's working good when he's on Wi-Fi. That's great. I'm, I'm back. I'm uh, no, it's... Oh, sorry. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> Is that oh, Dave O'Neill? Good thing we didn't say anything bad. What's up with your camera, Dave O'Neill? Oh, I don't know. I, need, I haven't got an IT department. I need Casey to help me out. <laughs> Yeah, did you All figure right. out if your PC has a shutter or not? I the, one of the kids has been on it. So uh, no, oh, sure. Say Blame no more. The sweet daughters. I tell you. <laughs> hey, uh, Chris, are you are you on Wi-Fi? Or are you on? Uh, no, I'm I'm on phone signal, and it says I've only got three G. But I tested this yesterday for the sprint, and That's it a... worked at the whole the whole grid. So it was actually what happened earlier: is it connected to a Wi-Fi network in the pit lane while I was talking? And that is when I went, I dropped out. So I need to stay on mobile. Yeah. Well, we're going to go to OU, O'Neill. We're going to get your take because you were the former team manager for the team that just did what we did. And is there anybody and, he wants to point to as being yeah, and who would have been in charge of that moment? And Dave, did you hear what I just said about, I think we're about to come back. Here we go. Hi, this is Max Steppen, and you're listening to Speed City. You're listening to Speed City F1 on Sirius XM. All right, welcome back. I was just talking before the break about how this could be a moment that changes a team, how you learn how to win and you you learn the, to, to do whatever that is, the swagger. And I'm sitting here talking about like I know what I'm talking about, but we have Dave O'Neill, the former team manager for Haas F1. And Dave, I want to get your take on this because do you think that there's some some credence to what I'm saying, that that this could be a moment that – that gives the team that confidence, that swagger, or that or that learns, that teaches them how to win. Well, I think the you know the important bit about um, the the poll was that it, there's a few less people to make the decisions. You know, there's not a huge room back in in Banbury where people are making decisions, and there's no thinking. There's obviously thinking involved, but there's no discussing. Shall we? Shan't we? So, um, you know, the weather would have been looked at for sure and it would have been, okay, well, you know, this is Brazil. Um, anything can happen and now's a chance for us to take, take a chance. So, um, you know, the sequence of the, of the events were, were that the, the tyres were ready in time. Someone was looking at the weather. They made the decision and they parked it in the pit lane ready to go. You know, the tyres were cooling down at that point, which is fine, but they were first out. And they had the first bit of um, the dry track. So, you, you know, everything linked together, fell into place. Um, and again, you know, you saw the other end of the grid. It didn't fall into place. So 
you know, you, you, again, you have to take the hats off to, to taking the gamble, um, putting the tyres on and sending the car out. And of course, you've got someone like Kevin, who um, who's great in those conditions as well. So it, it's kind of no, no one in particular, but, you know, everything joined together. And um, I'm sure, it, it, as I know, um, being on the wall, it would have been Gunter wanting to take the chance for sure. Um, and then they did. And it paid off. Mm -hmm. Hey, Dave, were you in Brazil in 2010 when uh, Nico Hulkenberg got a shock pole for Williams? Yes, were I was. There I, then? I was there. Do you remember with, the conditions? Um, yeah, it's similar conditions, yeah, with Mar Russia um, at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With the weather intervening and all that kind of thing that. Yeah, that it helped, was. Uh, you know, you, you on that circuit. I mean, you you probably remember the old circuit, Bob. But on that circuit in particular, it's hard to kind of describe. Um, but when when you walk around it and do the track walk, it there's not one bit that's flat or doesn't have no. a curve on it or is going right. downhill uphill. Um, but mm -hmm. apart from that, there's a huge lake right on the this. I think it's the north end of the circuit. Um, and you know this is part of the weather, part of the weather pattern that comes in, um, and it could be raining at the bottom of the circuit, um, mm -hmm. and it could be dry at the top. And again, it depends which way the wind's blowing to where where the weather comes in from. But again, it's pretty much like Malaysia. You know, at mm. this time of year, yeah, you, you are going to get um, these kind of freak freak weather storms that come in, and it, it kind of makes it really exciting because. It gives the underdogs the chance to to be able to do something special, as we saw on Friday. You know, yeah. one of the mm -hmm. things I heard on that you mentioned that no place on the track is flat. Well, on one of the shows I was listening to, they talked about the grid is on an incline itself. Yeah, it is, and that the drivers. Yeah, it's an uphill. Yeah, especially the drivers at the front end are going to be holding brake pressure on mm -hmm. for quite some time, which is not what they are accustomed to. And that's where they actually kind of become handicapped for being at the front in that start because that usually throws them off a little bit for the start. So we had that recently. I, I can't remember where it was. It was pretty recently, though. Maybe it was Suzuka. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Yeah. Downhill. Suzuka's, uh, Suzuka's downhill. Spa is yeah. uh, uphill or downhill. I can't remember. Yeah, it's flat and then yeah, it goes down. Yeah. Hey, uh, Dave. Yeah, Go ahead, Chris. So I was going to say, I'm stood on the grid right now and I'm between uh, the third and fifth place grid slots. And I'm probably where it's nearly at its steepest. You are right that it's pole, second, third, I kind of got the sharpest incline, but it doesn't change a huge amount all the way back to 20th. So when we have 20 cars on the grid, I don't think there's a single car that won't need to have their foot on the brakes uh, to stop themselves rolling backwards before the launch. And just a quick aside is the, uh, the grid slots themselves were deemed to be a little bit too narrow compared to normal grid slots uh, at other tracks. Huh. So yesterday after the sprint, yeah. we had an investigation into uh, three drivers, but actually they looked at more in the end, uh, about being out of position on the grid and determined, well, they weren't. It's just the grid slots aren't quite big enough for the cars. So as we stand here now, if, if everyone remembers or can envisage how a grid normally looks and you have uh, the lines either side of the car that come down quite a few meters, uh, white lines to outline the slot. Here, we just have a tiny little white line and maybe one foot uh, protruding down either side, and that's it. And then some yellow lines to show where the wheels should be, oh. but nothing else. So they've just kind of got like a line to, to start against rather than the whole grid box to be in. It was Ham and Zoe that they called out yesterday, uh, possibly being out of position. They even showed a, a shot from the Still, rear, a yeah. view from the rear, huh. uh, showing yeah. that they were both biased there was one outside. Other. There was one other too. I think it, it might've been Lando. Um, and the stewards discovered later, they went out and measured. <laughs> and as Chris just described, they found out that the, the boxes were narrower. The drivers essentially couldn't see where their marks were to line up for the, for the starting grid. Hey, Dave O'Neill, Bob asked you if you were at the, um, at the 2010 race the last time this happened. But I have to ask you, were you at the 1975 British Grand Prix when, when the last <laughs> time an American constructor was on pole? 1975, guys. I obviously I joke, Dave. I know you're not that old. Was that Shadow? That was Shadow. I was about to ask. Yes. <laughs> UOP Shadow. Don Nichols. <laughs> Don yep. Nichols. Okay, who was the driver? Uh Peter Refson. Nope. Damn it. Anybody? Any guesses? Jackie Oliver. Nope. Jackie he was, Oliver. He was Brit. He was a Brit. Uh, Jackie Oliver. Uh, not Jackie Jackie's Oliver. Jackie's a Brit. 
Tom Price. Ah, yes. Wasn't ah. he a South African? Oh, he's got a British flag, according to Wikipedia. I had to. That's the only place <laughs> I could find it. I was. Like, yeah, he's, he's Welsh, Tom Price. He's oh, bloody hell. Oh, oh yeah. in the valleys. <laughs> I can't believe Medlin didn't know that. He's such a. I know. Very... He, he wasn't even a twinkle he of an eye. He wasn't a twinkle of an eye. But he... There was no Medlin <laughs> at, at that point. <laughs> well, Chris. Right, well... No age jokes. No age jokes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris, what's happening around you, buddy? So cars are just making their way onto the grid right now, as we were talking about with the sloped grid. Uh, what they're doing is all the teams, they obviously raise their cars up onto trolleys. Uh, oh, and I'm going to grab Mario Isla because he's right ah. next to me and we're going to get in the way of a Ferrari in a minute. But Mario, it's a lot hotter than yesterday and Friday. What's this going to mean for strategy today? I believe there are some numbers before yesterday that was quite hot. Now we have 50 degrees of track temperature. It's dropping down. Soft can have a higher degradation, clearly in this condition. Yesterday, soft and medium were quite close in terms of lap time, the pace and the... Mm. Mm. Why, why was his mic working perfectly? Yeah, yeah, well, he's he probably gets walking. Target one stop. They have to try to use the hard, but uh, we have just a few data from Friday with a track that was completely different. Well, yeah, I was going to say, like, it's... Uh, it's just so much warmer, though. It does feel a little bit different. And um, what I was talking about, though, we're still on the grid right now, and it's, it's at an angle. D does it make it harder for the drivers to get a good launch when they're, when they're on the brakes and trying to get that power down? Yeah. You should ask them, but I believe it's a lot more complicated. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see how... Didn't know if it meant help the yeah, the tire fight overheat a little bit more or something like that. And uh, very quickly, not going to get any rain today? Uh, prediction was less than 20%, so I believe it's not going to rain. Yeah, not me, but we can never tell. But we'll see. Thank you very much. Uh, Mario, stay there. Sorry if I dropped out there, chaps. It's got uh, very busy and very loud here. There's samba bands everywhere. And, uh, can, can, Chris, can you just relate what he said? Because he just dropped out at the crucial moment. He was saying that the, 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 the softer tyres would dag quicker, right, than they yesterday. Yes. Yes, because the, yeah. uh, the track temperature is higher, quite comfortably higher than we had yesterday for the sprint. We're starting the race an hour and a half earlier than the sprint started. Uh, and it's a hotter day anyway. So the, the soft and medium were closely matched yesterday in pace and degradation. But he thinks the soft will degrade more today. But So that will mean a two-stop because it will still be quick. Uh, and the medium will still degrade too. So he thinks soft, medium, soft, or soft, medium, medium. Uh, but that, yeah, that first stint will be trickier. You've got more fuel in the car and in higher temperatures. And did Verstappen's choice of mediums help him today because he's got an extra set of, set of softs now? Potentially, if you do go for the soft, medium, soft strategy, uh, he's got an extra set of new softs. The, the others around him all have two or three sets of soft tires, but only one set that's new. So they'll likely use it for the very first stint, and then they'll do the medium middle stint and work out which tire is better, essentially. But yes, if, if it turns out that the soft is clearly better, you'd rather have a new set for the final part of the race. So Verstappen's more likely to do that than anyone else. It gives him just maybe a little bit more flexibility, but... I wouldn't say it's a game changer, just a slight advantage. Yeah. All right, well, let's sneak in a break real quick. And when we come back, we'll be 30 minutes from the Formula One Sao Paulo Grand Prix. Listen to Speed City live back after this. Can I tell a quick story? Well, if you want to tell it to the world, we're hot on YouTube. So, yes, go for it. Okay, well, many years ago, I was calling the Belgian Grand Prix at Spa. And as we were just saying, the start line is angled. It's on an incline. <clears throat> So I thought I'd be clever. And as Jonathan can tell you, that's the worst mistake a commentator can make. <laughs> yes. So I said, well, here's the challenge to the drivers at the start. You have to have one foot on the gas, one foot on the clutch, and one foot on the brake. And everybody <laughs> got a big laugh out of it. Later that year, somebody published one of those 365 a day, you know, new words or comments. I was on the 365 quotes a day for the dumbest things ever said on television. <laughs> there you go. Well, we all have our stick and I fall in the water and you do that. That's, That's right. That's when Jonathan Green backed into the water on uh, in New Zealand. That was awesome. He was live on camera and backed off the dock and into the water. And came well, out well with done, a smile. Though. Well done, though. But I, I think that's good work. I actually quite appreciate that line. <laughs> yeah. you, you can heel and toe with one foot. and then <laughs> Well, and then... exactly. I mean, that's what I was trying to get yeah. to. 
Yeah, somebody with no sense of humor. What do you think? <laughs> All right, well, I, y'all do not let me n- miss the crowd strike read when I come back. I've meant to do it the last. Okay, producer, just I'll just do it in the order than the PDF here. I'll just do it off of the. I'll do the the bill. I mean the uh, full read here. <laughs> uh, Wesman on YouTube says Dave sounds like a working class Ron Dennis. LOL. I don't know if that's a. A compliment? <laughs> that, that, to be honest, that, that's a that's a backhanded compliment that Dave will hey, actually take uh, Casey, on board. Can you let Dave in, or is he all he the was, way in? I, I'm, okay. I'm here, but yeah, okay. that's quite a compliment yeah. to me. He was my hero. Um, yeah, when I was growing up. You there know. you go. Uh, yeah. Yeah. See, if you're you're being compared go, to Ron, boys. that's pretty good. That's what I thought. I you know. But Ron's really rich, and Dave's got kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dave has yeah. children, daughters. Who play with my computer? Here we go. Hello, I'm Jenny Gale from BBC F1. You are listening to Speed City. You're listening to Speed City F1 on Sirius XM. CrowdStrike presents Driven in 60. Our digital world is more than just interconnected. It's interdependent. And because of that, security is a top concern for every organization. The Mercedes-AMG Patronus Formula One team knows they're a potential target for a host of digital attacks, which is why they leverage the CrowdStrike Falcon platform to deploy end-to-end security solutions. CrowdStrike revolutionized cybersecurity by harnessing the speed and power of the cloud to identify and stop the most sophisticated cyber attacks. Our cloud-native Falcon platform protects and defends organizations against increasingly complex threats, so you can have the peace of mind to focus on your business momentum, not what's trying to stop it. That's protection that powers you. To learn more and to try CrowdStrike Falcon free today, visit CrowdStrike.com XM. Thank you, CrowdStrike, for the sponsorship all season long and for your sponsorship all across motorsports and uh, loving seeing that safety car when it's out there because it's an awesome-looking Mercedes, but in particular with that logo. Yeah, what I love is how deep it is, and George Kurtz is out there running one himself. So, uh, yeah, that's cool, George Kurtz being the uh, CEO of CrowdStrike. Yeah, and and a fine race car driver. Well, Bob Varsha, I know you're ready to uh, to walk us through the grid. Why don't we do that now, since we've uh, we haven't really talked much about the uh, the grid or any where anybody's standing? Let's check it out. Well, if I were to give you the overview, what I'd say is order was restored in the sprint race after that chaotic qualifying on Friday afternoon. But here's how they'll line up on row one: George Russell for Mercedes, who took his first Formula One victory in yesterday's sprint qualifier. But that doesn't go into the record books as a Grand Prix victory. Still, you can bet he'll take it. He starts first, but he is not the pole winner. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Starting next to him, Lewis Hamilton, also for Mercedes. Third on the road in the sprint, but an engine penalty to runner-up Carlos Sainz means Mercedes have their first front-row sweeps in 2022, despite not winning the pole. That came on Friday. On row two, Max Verstappen for Red Bull starts third, a position that has produced the winner in Interlagos only three times in 38 previous races here. Next to him, teammate Sergio Perez, who's trying to hold on to second in the Drivers' Championship over Charles Leclerc. Checo begged the team to order Verstappen to let him by for the extra point in the sprint and was denied. But he is the fastest car in the speed traps at 208 miles per hour. On row three, Charles Leclerc for Ferrari, just six points behind Perez in the driver's uh, standings. But Leclerc was victimized by yet another Ferrari strategy gaffe in the Coyote pole shootout on Friday, sent out on a dry track on intermediate tires, then told to stop to change to slicks just as he passed the pit entrance. Starting sixth for McLaren, Lando Norris down with suspected food poisoning Thursday, but he felt strong enough Friday to drive and produced another outstanding qualifying effort as McLaren tries to overtake Alpine for fourth among constructors. Row four, Carlos Sainz in the Ferrari, reached the podium from last on the grid for McLaren back in 2019 and finished second in the sprint to minimize the damage of that five-place grid drop for his sixth engine of the season. Next to him, the star of qualifying, Kevin Magnussen for Haas, the sensational K-Mag went out first in Q3, set a blistering lap before a red flag and then rain prevented anybody from beating him to his and the Haas team's first pole in the team's 143rd start. By far a new series record for frustration 
or persistence, depending on how you look at it. Row five, Sebastian Vettel for Aston Martin, a three-time winner in Brazil. Seb equals his best starting position of the season in ninth, a spot he's reached three times previously this season. Starting 10th, Pierre Gasly for AlphaTauri, his first top 10 start in the last five races, though the Frenchman is just two penalty points away from a one-race ban for on-track misbehavior. On to row six, Danny Ricardo for McLaren, coming off a spectacular drive in Mexico two weeks ago. He starts 11th for the third time in the last four races. Next to him, Mick Schumacher for Haas, qualified 20th and last on Friday, then gained eight places over his qualifying position as the German awaits a decision as to whether he'll keep his seat. And we are promised that decision this coming week. On row seven, Guan Yu Zhou for Alfa Romeo, one of three drivers investigated for a start infraction until officials discovered the starting boxes on the grid were painted smaller than normal, making it tough for the drivers to pick out their positions. So no penalty. Next to him, teammate Valtteri Bottas for Alpha, the pole winner here for Mercedes back in 2017, but the Alphas were two of the three slowest cars in the speed traps in qualifying. Row eight, Yuki Tsunoda for Alpha Tauri. Last year, the teammates scored, he and his teammates scored 142 points, but only 35 this season despite using the same power plant as Red Bull. Yet they're just one point shy of Haas for eight among constructors, a difference worth millions of dollars in prize money. Starting 16th, Lance Stroll for Aston Martin. Penalized 10 seconds for a dangerous maneuver when he swerved to block another car and drove it out of the grass on the high-speed run down to turn four. His victim, his soon-to-be former teammate, Sebastian Vettel. On row nine, Esteban Ocon for Alpine qualified sixth Friday, but collided with his soon-to-be ex-teammate, Fernando Alonso, on lap one. No punishment was handed down, but Alpine is in a dogfight with McLaren for fourth among constructors, leading by just five with the papayas way up the road on the grid. Next to Ocon, wouldn't you know it, Fernando Alonso <laughs> in the second Alpine. The two-time champion sprint from seventh on the grid basically ended after his collision with Ocon. Afterward, as you've heard, he told the press, one more race, then it's finally Great over. Great timing there, Bob, because I'm going to interrupt you with Omar Zafnar as we talk about Esteban and Fernando. Firstly, Omar, I've just seen uh, the front wing off, the brakes being worked on, on on Esteban's car. Do you know of any issues there? No, not that I'm aware of, but I haven't made it back there yet. So I'm on my way now. Yeah, sorry to hold you here. My signal goes as soon as we go back further than this. But your drivers didn't have the greatest day yesterday. You weren't particularly happy with the way they acted. What have you said to them overnight? Well, we just reminded them that, there, you know, there's a lot of people that are working for us to finish fourth in the championship, not just the two of them. And uh, at a minimum, out of respect, they shouldn't be doing that. But as a maximum, it's a team effort, and we have to finish fourth as a team. And what they did yesterday was uncalled for, unnecessary, and just wrong. Was it both drivers, or did you feel one more than the other? Because Fernando did get a penalty for the contact with Esteban on the pit straight. Well, in, in my view, I looked at uh, both of them. Absolutely, uh, 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 Esteban's fault, turn four, should have left him room. And then absolutely, Fernando's fault for running into him. So, both of them. Equal. And just finally, what can you do today? What was that? Uh, what can you do today from the back of the grid? Well, I think we can score points. So, if it goes our way and we still have the pace that we showed yesterday, we can score. Good luck. Thank you very much for your time. Right. And, uh, right. yeah, I was manhandling him there to make sure he didn't go out of signal. Because uh, I'm sorry I dropped <laughs> off a little while there, guys. But... I'll explain what he can't explain. Uh, Esteban Ocon's car looks like there's issues with the front brakes. So uh, lots of mechanics working on both sides on the front brakes. Uh, they were trying to do it fairly quickly. Then they had to take the front wing off to be able to get to the uh, sort of brake reservoirs that are in there at the front of the chassis. So a lot of work going on there. The FAA are watching that work go on. And Alfa Romeo just ahead of them were kind of looking too, because obviously you don't want a car with a brake issue right behind you at the start of a race, do you? <laughs> And let's not forget that Ocon's car caught fire in Park for May yesterday due to a suspected fuel leak. And I got to wonder if they've got that isolated and fixed as well. Going to be an interesting afternoon for Alpine. Uh, finally, on row 10, Nick Latifi for Williams. The Williams cars have been the fastest in the traps, fastest in the traps, six times in the last 12 qualifying sessions. But the Canadian lines up on the back row for the 10th time in 21 races to date this year. Next to him, Teammate Alex Albon, the only DNF or did not finish in the sprint. And the Tyborn driver qualified 11th, 
missing Q3 by just 44 thousandths of a second, mm. only to become the only DNF with a technical issue in the sprint. And so he starts caboose on the field. There you have it. Mm. Hey, Chris, are you Chris, still, are you still with, with, in range? In because, because I want to ask you about, about uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin, about Logan Sargent. Uh, I am indeed within range, I'll admit. I'm walking towards Gunter Steiner right now, which either means I'm going to drop out of range or we're going to get to talk to him. Uh, but I will uh, answer that question in just a second because I've just caught his eye and I'm going to see if he's got a quick second. To just one quick one for you, Gunter. I mean, you're still starting in the top eight. It's a great position for this team. What's the aim for today? Because you must be on such a high after the way this weekend's gone. Yeah, absolutely. Starting eight both today is very good thinking that Yesterday, Mick was 20th and worked him up to 12. So uh, let's see if it can get some points. You know, that is the aim today. That's the battle today for us. Is this about where the car should be? Or are you still kind of out of position being this far forward, do you think? I, I, this is where, I, I mean, I think they're where we can be. You know, it's like that is our normal position where we should be. And just how proud are you of the way the team's performed so far this weekend? Because you've taken every opportunity and made the most of it. Very proud of it, what the, what the whole team did, and uh, hopefully we can follow on with uh, more today. Good luck today. Thank you. There we go. Did we did we stay connected? Yeah, we did. Good we stuff. We got all of that. That was Beautiful. fantastic. Great stuff. Okay, so Logan Sargent, what what are we what are we saying? Well, I was just wondering if you uh, clearly he he got his uh, laps in and got his single point to add. I just wondered if you got to see talk to anybody at Williams and he. Any, uh, are they excited for what's going on? Are they happy with what he did? Uh, I did a brief word with Logan actually himself in passing, just uh, to say, you know, well done, looked like it went well today. And he was, yeah, very satisfied, actually. It was smooth. He got those laps in quickly. He was pretty quick. Uh, you know, he, don't forget, everyone had already done practice and qualifying. So he wasn't being compared to other drivers in an FP1 session like you normally would be. Yeah. Uh, he was being compared to drivers who are a lot more kind of advanced in their weekend and more comfortable on the track. And he's never driven here before. So to be three tenths off Latifi on the soft tire when you're pushing the car the most, although admittedly it wasn't low fuel because he did a long run, uh, that was solid. And he was actually quicker on the medium, although I'm not certain if their run plans were the same, but they both did long stints on the mediums to start that session. So uh, yeah, he was, he was very pleased that it just kind of went trouble-free, ticked off the laps. They did the run plan and with about 15 minutes to go in the session, his job was done. He could jump out and, and go and take a shower. So uh, unlike Mexico, which they were unlucky with, uh, this one was a lot smoother, and they were, they were pleased with how it went. Well, I think we're getting closer and closer to that American on the grid next year. Jonathan, on our Wheel to Wheel show on Wednesday, Chris and I talked about Logan a bunch. I had listened I, to it. And I talked about him at Macau. And yes, how, you did. And how important that race is and amazing the competition in that race. And he shined in that race, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Because you were there calling yep, it. I was. And unfortunately, we haven't had an international field at Macau since. I'm glad I'm going back to Toyota um, because the next crop is coming internationally anyway. or at least TRS. Toyota, Toyota TRS, Race. yeah, Toyota, Toyota Racing Series. And we've got some Americans in that. Um, mm. I, I, I'm only <laughs> – to be honest, what um, – what Bob just said about Latifi and, and Alban worries me for Logan because they are the fastest in a straight line, perhaps, but they're dead last again. And that worries me because Logan could be in this desperate situation of being a Williams driver for three years in a time where they may not move the needle. And I don't hope that for him. The good news is that Alban is an absolute fantastic benchmark for Logan Sargent because if he can beat him at qualifying or equal Alban, I would say that he's worthy of being there because I, th I rate Altman as one of the top drivers. Mm, uh, I'll take that. All right, guys, let's get our last break in. And when we come back, we'll take you straight through to the top and uh, you'll be able to hear the race right here. Listen to Speed City. Back up these messages. All right, we have some nice comments on YouTube. Uh, a lot of them center around Bob's hat. And, and I think the reason that they're centering around Bob's hat because – Bob has a giant brain and a giant head of hair on top of Vessel that brain. To keep it in. And your honor, I, 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 can you show me proof of this brain? <laughs> well, anybody can come up with three feet on the fly on the microphone. Can have, could, but but his hair is so huge that that hat is kind of perched on top. Uh, who said it? Uh, uh, somebody on YouTube said something about it, but. Oh, Mike Bowles did. But uh, Applesauce says, I've seen Bob in Indianapolis take, talking at an event for Grand Prix Tours. I was in high school, and I'll never forget it. It was awesome. <laughs> Wesmed said, maybe we should ask Alex L. Alban to take the 
the Speed City hat over to Thailand if he's going back that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, there so you go. Chris has one. Yeah, get Man, we haven't back. talked about um, Lance Stroll. And hold on, let me test the talk back. Check, check, one, two, one, two. Can y'all hear that? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so I'm still on air with that talk back then. Only on the stream. So, okay. So the YouTube people can hear. That's all right. They're like family anyway. They're family. That's right. <laughs> uh, let's see. <laughs> Paul, so let's Bri- Paul Bryan says, will someone please get Les Kaiser the hat he was issued? He's out of u- uniform. He's That's never in good. uniform. Wait a minute. Hey, wait. I, I've got the shirt on. Camera view's a little off. Thanks. All right. Ryan. Let's see. We got 23 people, but we, only, but we only have 11 likes. I don't know what's going on there. Hmm. So uh, half the people don't like go. it. Just stop watching then. No, just kidding. Uh, Paul Bryan says, kind of looks like a racing. Old people don't know how to like things. <laughs> Old people true. on the That's internet. That's they true. explain the wall to yeah, Facebook. <laughs> uh, we still have O'Neill. Are you there, Dave? I am indeed. How many, how many? How <laughs> many? <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> I sent Dave a customer last week, guys. He's going to do, he's going to drop a, oh, here we go. We're back on serious. Dope. Is Taylor Swift? <laughs> I don't know. Les, you're the one. Hi, guys. This is Pierre Gasly, and you're listening to Speed City. You're listening to Speed City F1 on Sirius XM. All right, welcome back. We're about 11 or 12 minutes from the start of the race. It's Sao Paulo Grand Prix, and the Speed City post-race, pre-race show on Sirius XM is brought to you by CrowdStrike. Stop today's most sophisticated cyber attacks at the office, the racetrack, and everywhere in between. Learn more at CrowdStrike.com slash XM. Don't forget that slash XM. All right, gentlemen, I'm getting excited. I'm ready to see some racing at the home of Ayrton Senna. And did you see that super cool sculpture, that giant yeah, silver bust, bust kind of, thing. of, yeah. of yeah. Ayrton Senna? That was, <clears throat> that was really amazing. Very nice. Who did they mm-hmm. say did that? Was it his niece, I think they said? I think I heard that in yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. His niece, niece did this amazing sculpture, which I can't quite see from where I am on the grid, but it's basically opposite where the pit entry starts. So on that long straight up towards the finish line, and the way they positioned mm-hmm. it, it looks out over into Lagos. So it's it's quite eerie in that sense. Uh, there's also a huge, yeah. colourful mural of Senna on the side of the pit building. I mean, his presence is everywhere here. I got a an Uber to the track on Thursday. We went through an Ayrton Senna tunnel. I mean, you just can't escape the guy. He's an absolute god around this place. Yeah, I mean, yeah, those murals around Sao Paulo are just fabulous. One of Senna, of course, and then one of Lewis Hamilton. And of course, Senna is buried there. And I think it bears repeating that this track is so difficult. Even a guy like Senna, who is always in the conversation for the greatest of all time, took forever to win his home race That's on right. this track. Mm. Yeah, I've been to the burial site. Mm. Pretty, pretty cool. I have too. Well, you know, they, it is uh, very cool. speaking of Hamilton and Brazil, he's now uh, half Brazil. Oh, that's right. Brazilian. He's an official. Well, what is I've, this? I've, I've been working on Honorary this. Honorary Brazilian. Yeah, it's going to have to be Hamiltino um, <laughs> because you can't be Hamiltini because it sounds too much like a drink. You've got to have an I or an O to be in the Brazilian soccer team or just be an honorary Brazilian. It's I'm either. betting Hamiltini's yeah. will be served, though. Yeah, but Hamiltino. He uh, says he's working on his Portuguese. Good on him. But I'm proud when he comes off the grid, they were cheering. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to see him work on his samba. (laughs) Hey, I want to get your take, Dave O'Neill, since you've been there to Sao Paulo. Um, What do you think of when you go there? You know, obviously Ayrton Senna, but what do you think of? Well, um, he was kind of the first, one of my first heroes. Um, And when when you go to a place like that, I mean, it's not, it's not the most flash kind of racetrack in the world, but it has so much history behind it and um, creates so many kind of different results uh, to the norm. But, um, it, you know, it's a trip from getting out of the hotel in the morning and rushing through all the traffic, um, getting to the circuit. And, and of course, the fans they are really, really passionate and really knowledgeable. They, they tend to queue up I don't know, a, a wild guess would be probably two to three miles long outside the circuit before six o'clock in the morning, camping sometimes the night before. Um, 
it, it's just, you know, it's almost like a World Cup every time you go there to, to race. Um, and uh, the parties and um, the intake of, of people from all over the world turning up there to, to soak up the atmosphere. It's, it's just a, it's a fantastic Grand Prix to go to. You know, it's definitely a bucket list one. Yeah, no doubt. I think everybody's that I agree. It goes there has I mean, it's <clears throat> and some of the great racing that we get there. Clearly that makes this a, a special it's place. It's a good racetrack for overtaking and and passes and strategy, no question. I'm I'm I want to talk about strategy cool. or see if Chris is still there uh, and see what he thinks. Um, yeah. you know, who's going to start on what and and what's the deviation because you've got Mercedes Red Bull and Ferrari all with a position to to fight with each other uh, and team-wise and play teamwork too, especially Mercedes. Yeah, Chris, what do you think? Well, the question I'm going to ask, I've got Christian Horner right in front of me. I'm going to keep it simple for him. Christian, who's the favorite? Uh, that's a very good question. You'd have to say George Russell based on his today. But uh, again, different race, different. I know. We got his answer, George Russell, who's the favorite. Is that again, uh, grip, but uh, yeah, Christian Horner there. I will uh, paraphrase if you guys lost me there. We, we did. did. We heard him say George Russell, but uh, there we go. So he he said based on the pace yesterday, uh, George has to be the favorite. But it's a different day, different tires, uh, different weather, cars. So tough one to call. Which. I, I prefer him saying that. They normally deflect, don't they, and say it's someone else. But he's kind of going, yeah, no guarantees it's George. Uh, but Mercedes are right in that mix. Yeah, I guess it's easy to say when you've wrapped everything up, you can get a little more a little more honest. Well, the other question I have. I'd Chris, love to know. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I'd love to know what the Mercedes strategy is for their two cars across the front row. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what my question was. So there you go. <laughs> uh, great, great mind you guys. Uh, I, I'd love to know it too. But I was talking to a few people about this earlier. And I think we're going to see that George can probably keep his elbows out a little bit more because as much as like Lewis is a fierce racer and is going to be desperate to want to win here, but he's not going to risk everything down the inside of his teammate when they're the front two cars on the grid. So unless it's clear, unless it's definitely on, I think he's going to be a little bit more tentative than we'd see normally. Uh, and in that case, I think that is what will play into George's hands a bit. Uh, and what better rear gunner to have if you're trying to win a race, then Lewis Hamilton, uh, you know, Lewis against Max. That's the mouth-watering prospect now as well. They're in equal yeah. cars here this weekend. Like, we can finally see a fight between the two of them that we haven't had for, what, a whole 12 months? Mm. But but Mercedes yeah. made a mistake on having the same strategy at Mexico. Surely they're going to go split strategy this time. That is what George Russell suggested yesterday. Okay. He said, exactly as you put it there, Johnny, actually, that... He said, in Mexico, it didn't work for us because we both ended up on the wrong strategy. And the two of them kind of need to accept that the team might need to gamble. Uh, a bit like Ferrari did with that qualifying error, and it all went wrong for Charles Leclerc, but Carlos Sainz was on the right tyre. Merck might have to do that with their race today, and that means one of the two of them is going to be unhappy. But they, if they admit it before it even happens, then it kind of softens the blow that they're like, okay, well, if it goes wrong for me, it hopefully goes right for the other guys. So... Um, Toto Wolf said before this weekend he'd rather win a race this year than finish second in the constructors, uh, and they've got the golden opportunity right now. Let's ask a team manager what he would do. Let's ask Dave O'Neill what you would do if you were Mercedes today. I think I don't think they're in for the the kind of gambles. You know, they they look at all the data, and um, I think they they'll go. Um, They'll go pretty straightforward, um, and then whoever's in front, they'll just bring him in first. I don't think there'll be too much um, shenanigans going on there. Mm. Uh, that's the uh, that's the, the, boring. the the boring team manager watching the the bottom well, line. But go ahead, Bob. T telling us exactly yeah, what will happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about George Russell has had plenty of contact this year. Um, it's starting to get under some people's skin. If uh, if the press is to be believed, so um, I think it might be a little more wild than we're than we're thinking. Mm. I mean, Lewis is the master of avoiding contact, and when he finally decided he wasn't going to take it anymore, is when we saw those Titanic accidents last year with Max Verstappen. Um, so Lewis's attitude has changed, I think. Verstappen's attitude has changed, I think. 
hopefully we'll see the kind of battle that Chris just described. But George Russell may be the, um, the variable in that equation. And keep in mind, Sergio Perez is desperate for points to stay second in the Drivers' Championship. He's got to be feeling a little hard done by after the team did not slow Max down mm. yesterday to allow Sergio to pick up an extra point. Uh, a lot of people have a lot of reasons to stick their nose in in these early laps. I need points, no? Yeah. And <laughs> one thing to say as well is into turn one, it's, it's not a long run, but obviously turn one's a left-hander, turn two's a right-hander, turn three's a long left-hander. You can go side by side for a while. Uh, it doesn't all have to be done under breaking into the first corner. No. You just you can only really lose off the line here, or you can lose a lot off the line. But gaining, you tend to it, it kind of plays out over the first sector. And something interesting I just watched, Carlos Sainz. We've got to remember that he finished second yesterday. He was quick, but he's got a power unit penalty that dropped him back five places to seventh on the grid. He's directly behind his teammate Charles Leclerc. And when they came back for the national anthem, Sainz walked behind Leclerc's car and started feeling the rubber with his feet. Uh, like sort of the grip that had been laid down on that grid slot just to kind of see what sort of grip was there because of course that's the first grid slot he'll go over in front of himself so he's kind of understand mm -hmm. what sort of launch is, is Charles going to get and what sort of launch will I get and what will the second phase of that start be like so you can see that like it's so crucial the start uh, that these drivers are kind of looking for every little bit of info they can get and uh, and yeah Sykes was was digging around to see how much rubber was on the track All right, guys, we are down to about uh, a little over a minute. Let's uh, let's get our predictions. Uh, Les, you want to start? George Maxham. Ah, okay. Uh, Greeny? Uh, George, uh, George Perez Science. George, uh, George Perez Science. Yes. Is that another three-footed three thing? <laughs> three Georges there. I just wanted to hedge my bets. All right, Bob Varsha. Hamilton, Verstappen, Norris. Oh, I like Ooh, that. Where'd George go? <laughs> yeah, what George happened to George? Is, <laughs> George is going to go. Dave's not here, man. All right, we're almost out of time. Uh, Chris Medlin, what do you got? I'm going to go Russell, Verstappen, Leclerc. Okay. I'm going to go uh, George, Verstappen, Hamilton. Nothing too crazy. Same as me. Yep, that's right. What did I go? I can't get George, George, something, Hamilton, something. Hamilton, Max Leclerc. That was Dave O'Neill. Okay. All right, gentlemen, we uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in. Of course, you can stick right here for the race. And we have our one-hour post-race show after this. So, And right down the phone number, we want to hear from you. 512-643-5483. Give us a call in. And, uh, yes, we will talk to you after the race. Back. Are we staying live on YouTube? Let's stay for a second. Okay, guys, we're still live on we're still live on YouTube, and we're not going to stay, but we may start doing this. This is you know, there's lots of people doing lots of watch parties or whatever, and we may do this. And uh, I want to get everybody watching on YouTube right now. If you didn't disconnect already. Uh, let us know what you think. I mean, if, you, if you're watching the race or, I mean, if you're in front of YouTube, you're probably not listening on Sirius. But if you're w watching the race, maybe we all just kind of hang out, leave the mics on, and, uh, and do this. So y'all let us know. And that info at speedcitybroadcast.com, that email, you can always email that. And I think a few of us get that email. I know I do. So, But, yeah, let us know. But we're going to go ahead and disconnect today since we're not really prepared for it. Uh, Mike Bowles on YouTube says, yes, yes, yes to that idea. So uh, Paul Bryan says, do it. Formation lap <laughs> underway. Interestingly enough, uh, the top four, four all going on softs. Charles Leclerc, the first on mediums. Carlos Sainz also on mediums. So Ferrari going with a medium, medium strategy. Uh, everybody else seemingly K-Mag on a medium. And let's see what Schumacher's on. He's on a medium too. So interesting. Oh, nice. All right. Well, TW says, I'm in if we do that. He says, I have it on TV and listen to you guys. Uh, let me ask you guys on YouTube if we were to do our own play-by-play, -play, like full-on, uh, either on YouTube or on Sirius XM, how would that uh, – would you turn your TV down? I'll ask you that. So, um, but, yeah. 
Uh, we're going to go ahead and disconnect, guys. What you got, Les? 236,000 attended. Oh. That's pretty sizable for Brazil. For Brazil, yeah. I don't know how much it could could hold there. I, I do have a comment. I feel sorry for Felipe Massa. He, <laughs> he lost his only world championship to Hamilton, and they put Hamilton in Congress. Uh, yeah. They put him <laughs> as a... Yeah. I mean, you know, where's the love? Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Good point. Yeah. Talk to you after the race. Everybody's saying that. Uh, yeah, they'll tune in. All right, guys. Uh, thanks hey, for tuning guys. in, and, and we'll talk Catch to you. Later. We'll talk to you after the race.